So, Kim, are you afraid of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Uh, I don't, I don't know that afraid is the right word for that. I, I would say probably no. Well, some people are. It's called arachibutrophobia. You know what? Tonight's going to be a really hard show for me to get through because of all the different You have all these words. I, I have some yeah. big words I got to use tonight. So, should we introduce the show now? Yeah. Okay. All right. Welcome to An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim, and across the table from me is my eye-rolling bestie, Steve. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? Honey, I love you. (sighs) (laughs) So, those of you who are regular listeners, we apologize, we're day late. Um, Those of you who are not regular listeners, you should be, and you would know that we were a day late. That's all right, though. We're both, we've both been kind of under the weather a little bit. And then I had to work yesterday, and I was out in the cold. And I'm talking it was cold for a good chunk of the day. And when I came home, I was, I was beat. I was worn out. And I didn't have the energy to hook up the board and everything and to do this show tonight. We both yesterday. are still kind of like, ugh. But we, we love you guys, so we're here. We're doing the show in spite of everything. Yeah, so tonight... There will be a lot of edits for me because I've got this cough that I just can't get rid of. And so... We probably won't edit all of them, so just so you know. I probably will. You might assault. You might have your ears assaulted by Steve's cough. Okay. But it's not, it's not that bad. It's just kind well, of a... Kim, what is tonight's show? We're talking about phobias, which I'm very excited about. Um, I, it's, I think phobias are so interesting. And the things that people are afraid of are really interesting. Like the things that we are afraid of... Um, I, most of our friends know it, but I am phobic about seagulls, like just seagulls, not birds. I have a name for that. What is it called? I'll get to it. Okay. So I'm, I'm terrified of, not all birds, like other birds don't bother me. It is only seagulls and some people, and, and I joke about it. It's fine. Like you can laugh. It doesn't bother me. Um, but it is a real serious phobia, phobia, phobia. I think Steve will attest that I ha- there have been times that I've been with you that I have crossed the street in tears to get away from seagulls. Like, will you verify that this has actually happened? When we've been down in Florida, there have been times that I, like, freaked out over seagulls. You have freaked out. I don't remember you crossing the street in tears, but I remember you being upset. Yeah. Just trying to be honest. I was I was crying. Okay. So a little bit. I was trying to hide it. So I must have done a good job. So before we really get into tonight's show, anything we need to talk about from last week? Oh yeah, I do. Okay, so I thought about it as we talked about the time change and I, I bashed daylight savings time. And then after I, I sat down and I thought about it, I thought, you know what? Keep daylight savings time year-round. So that would keep all the people who want the late hours in the summer, they would have their late hours. And it just means in the winter... So daylight savings is the new standard. I would make daylight savings. If I were the king, I would make daylight savings the God new standard. God help us all if you were the king. Yeah. And just, we wouldn't change our time. And so the difference would be in the winter evenings, it would be lighter for an hour it yeah. would just be the opposite of what we're doing right now. So, I mean, be fine. get up in the dark or come home in the dark, it, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, and in the it summer, it would be good. In the summer, then everyone would be happy. The golf courses and everyone, the charcoal industry, they would get their <laughs> late hours, and everyone would be happy because we, we would stay on daylight savings If time. only people would listen to us. Okay, hey, Kim, yeah. you know, 
Oh wait, we do we do oh. need to um talk we do need to mention uh when we were kind of prepping for the show. We do want to we want to make sure that we put it out there kind of a disclaimer that um we are going to kind of joke about some phobias and stuff and we don't mean to be like we're not trying to make fun of anybody. Yeah. So um okay. Like do you know that there are people well before we even get into that Tonight, if you're going to be listening for just a list of all the different and weird phobias, you'll be disappointed. Yeah, we, we will mention doing. some. There, we, we will have to mention some of the phobias, but that's not what the show's about tonight. Kim, what, really, what is the show about? Uh, we're going to kind of get into, into like the science of phobias a little bit, and um, this is a, another learning show for you. It, this is an educational program. I think I'm going to change our... Uh, our taglines to educational, to educational. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I've learned a lot this week. Um, so phobias are a phobia is a type of anxiety disorder. Uh, it's characterized by a rapid onset of fear that persists for more than six months. Uh, and phobias, interestingly, are um, they're they're the most common mental illness in women. And the second most common in men. And women are, well, I should say it's the most common mental illness in women of all ages. And men, it's over the age of 25. Uh, and women are at least twice as likely to be phobic as mm. men are. But sometimes, depending on the phobia, it's as much as like four times as, as likely to experience a phobia as men are. Do you know that there's a phobia a fear of long words. I did know that, and it's a crazy okay. word. I'm going to pronounce this one. Because are you going to do it? Have you been practicing? I, I've been practicing, and I broke it up into syllables. Into okay. Hippopotomonstrosis quipped aleophobia. I did it. Look, that's 36 letters, if you were counting. 36 letters of a word for people who are afraid <laughs> of long words. Hippopotamus abobophobia. Hippopoto. Monstrosis aleophobia. Yeah. Okay, look, you kind of hit a little disclaimer, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to hit this one again. We do recognize that phobias are serious issues for some people, and it's really not our intent to make fun of these phobias. Like we said, we're not really going to go into what the phobias are. It's going to be more about the science of it tonight. And you know what? Some of these phobias are actually some serious risk mm -hmm. to some people's health, and so we're not trying to make light of this at all. We want to... We some want, of them we are. Yeah, some we are. We want to explore these issues, talk about them, recognize and acknowledge these serious phobias, such as agoraphobia, which is the fear of leaving your house. I, if you have that, that could be a seriously debilitating yep, issue. Yep, I'm going to talk about that in a little I bit. I don't say issue. That, that's an illness. And we, yeah, you got that? I do. Okay. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, we talked a lot before we did the show. <laughs> yeah. I, there has to be a little bit of coordination. But, okay. As in, like, none, clearly? Not, not tonight. Again, okay. we're sick. Okay. But, I, you know, I'm going to talk about my phobia, which is the fear of mice, which is, well, you know, no, no let me rephrase but, that. Yeah, it's I used to think I had a fear of mice, which yeah. is called musophobia. We were and, talking about this last night, yep. about how Steve has always had this terrifying fear of mice but then the more he talked about it and the more like he kind of read up on phobias and stuff he realized maybe i don't have a phobia of mice you equated it to being on a roller coaster yeah it's it's more of um 
it's it's more of the startle of seeing the mouse. I'm not actually afraid of the mouse. Once I see it, I'm good. I, you remember that? I don't even want to talk about it. In the kitchen at the old house? The bacon bit story? Yeah. Go- so we were, so it was when the, the kids were still younger and living at home. And Steve, we, we, I mean, knowing that he's always had a strong dislike for mice. No, I know now that I like mice. <laughs> I just don't like being well, startled by mice. And this is why, this is why I have a problem this is with why mice. We, this is why we have trust issues in our marriage. <laughs> Go ahead, finish this one off. So we, he had gone to the store for something. It was late. Like the kids were getting ready for bed when he left. And so he was getting ready to go to the store and the dogs were prancing around. They wanted a, a treat. And so I reached in. We, at the time, we kept our, we had some begging strips, which are bad, by the way. You shouldn't feed your dogs those. But anyway, um, they were under the sink. And so I went in to go get some. And luckily, I saw the bag move before I reached into it. And I or peeked in. Or you would have been startled. I peeked in, and there was a mole in there. Um, we which had looks problems. like a mouse. We had problems during the winter. Like all, all the little creatures like that would co- make their way in to get warm under our sink. So the kids were still up. I was like, oh, guys, here's what we're going to do. Ha, ha, ha. I said, go act like you went to bed and just go like hide around the corner when you hear your dad come in. Ha, ha, just, ha. Just go hide and watch. And they're like, oh, what are you going to do? I said, just watch. Okay. Yeah, this is real so, funny. So Steve comes in. I didn't give the dogs their treats. Uh, I don't think I gave the dogs. Maybe I did. No, I must not have. But the, so they're still prancing around. They want their treat, want their treat, want their treat. And I busied myself washing dishes or doing getting something. And I just said, hey, can you get them their treat for me? And so he reaches in, opens the door, grabs the bag, sticks his hand down in it. I and- grab a mole. This is really <laughs> funny. <laughs> Did you actually grab the people- mole? I touched it. <laughs> That's why I ran and I jumped on the table. He, he dropped the bag, screamed like a little girl, like, ah! high-pitched, like, ran across the room, leaped onto a table, onto the chair by the table. The kids were watching from around the corner, and they, they, we all died laughing. It was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, really funny at my expense. It was really funny. And I'm going to say, don't even try that now. How many times have you laughed at me when I got hurt? I was jumping on the trampoline like two weeks after we got married and the kids were like, do a flip, do a flip. And I said, I can't do a flip. And they said, do a flip. And so I went up. I tucked, I rolled, I came down right on the Straight top of my down head. down on the top of her head. And you thought it was hysterical. So payback. After we saw you could move, then we laughed. Yeah, no, I don't think you even waited. So payback, my but dear. I'm not going to talk about your irrational fear of seagulls, which is called Adele. Like the singer? A-D-E-L-E. Like the singer? I guess. The singer Adele is like her name literally means fear of seagulls. According to Google. <gasps> Whoa. So Interesting. Make fun of me. This is why I have the issues I have right now. You're fine. With this. Whatever. Yeah. So. All right. You want to get into the science of the thing? Uh, no. Let me make another point here. We're, since we're still on mice, elephants are scared of mice. Is that true? Mythbusters proved it. Don't you remember that episode no, where they, I've never watched where they that put episode. the mouse along the trail like in a little cage and the elephant came walking down the trail and they pulled the lid off the mouse's 
cage, and the elephant like saw that mouse. It jumped back like five feet, and the <laughs> elephant like walked like twenty feet around the trail to avoid the mouse. So even if I were afraid of mice, which I'm not. Elephants are afraid of mice. Actually, you know what, Kim? What I have is my self-diagnosis is yeah. called fear potentiated startle, or FPS. It's a reflexive psychological reaction to presented stimulus and is an indicator of the fear reaction in an organism. I'm going to talk a little bit about yep. some of that stuff. Yeah. And now, and this is interesting, is before you like get into science, a lot of FTS can be related to PTSD. Yes. And we're not going to make light of PTSD. We absolutely but, are not going to make light but, of PTSD. But, but to make a point, when I reached into that bag to grab that dog treat and I grabbed that mole, okay, I think about that. And I'm not even not even attempting to compare what I did to PTSD. To true trauma. To, to, to true trauma or anything yeah. like that. But I can... That's just to show how PTSD can come up. And again, I am not even trying to compare what no, I'm no, doing. No. So interesting. But it is. I wonder though if is, you were, if you had an experience as a child that caused you to probably someone. If I didn't, then I would now. <laughs> so again, I'm not even trying to make light of no. PTSD. But no. it's just I'm just trying to make that comparison of with um, with F. FPS and PTSD, how yeah. certain things can There's be triggered. And so, and, and still, if if I were to see a mouse run across the floor right now, it would initially startle me. Yeah. But then it could come up and it wouldn't bother me. It's huh. just that initial startle. And that's how some people are you do repulsed, get triggered. Are you repulsed by mice, though? No. Like you would hold one and it wouldn't bother you? No. <laughs> I'm not going to hold one. I don't like them that much, but but I'm still not going to hold one. See, I mean, and for but, me, it is, I, I am that scared of seagulls. Like, I, the, the idea of being in a room with a seagull, like, loose, not in a cage, is terrifying to me. Well, the reason that people are afraid of mice is not so much of, I mean, for me, it's the startle. I'm not afraid of right. mice. But the what, what's attributed to the fear of mice is because the people are concerned about rats and mice and contaminating their food supplies. And oh, yeah. I don't care about that. Like if, yeah. if the mouse gets into a box well, of Cheerios, different, different I'm throwing the box phobias. of Cheerios out. Yeah, there's different types of phobias, and I'm going to get into that. Um, but yeah, but I, for me, it is a like a, it is a legitimate. Well, I they, am afraid. Well, they, the FPS and the uh, PTSD was supposed to be the lead in for you to start talking about. The scientific stuff. <laughs> there are three classifications of phobias. Um, there are specific phobias, which is kind of like what we have been talking about. Specific, you are afraid of a specific thing. Like I am afraid of seagulls. You are quote unquote afraid of mice. Um, a lot of people have a fear of clowns. Um, my, I struggle with this one because my grandmother collected clowns like my entire life, and so I don't like the scary clown trope that you see in. Uh, in films and stuff because my childhood was filled with clowns and I don't think they're scary at all. I think it's really, they they remind me of my grandma. Um, so, but those are specific phobias. Well, let, let's go back. Why are you afraid of seagulls? I don't know. We'll get into that a little bit in a, in a minute. We'll get into that. Um, the second classification is social phobia. And you think I have this. This is also called social anxiety disorder. Um, and it basically, um, 
is sort of a fear of being around people or in social situations. And we're going to get more in depth into all three of these, but just the three basic classifications. And then the third one is agoraphobia, um, which you mentioned earlier is kind of the fear of leaving your house or your, like your safe space. So with, um, regard to specific phobias you can break that down even further into uh five different groupings so there are animal like um there are animal which is you know pretty obvious like our, both of our phobias are animal specific animal phobias i don't have an animal phobia Whatever. i have a fear of being startled <laughs> it was not even a fear of being startled it's just a startle it's it's like if you watch a cheap Horror movie. Jump thrill. Jump scares. Uh, yeah, something like that that jumps yeah. out. That is how I'd get it. Yeah. But then even with the seagull or the mouse or something like that, we both laugh at it when it's over. When it's over, but I, there, it's not funny at all in the time, in the moment. It's not funny at all. Um, the second specific, specific phobia category is the natural environment. So if you have a fear of um, like the dark is... Uh, could be, or if you have a fear of thunderstorms or, you know, whatever, the fear of the, fears of the natural environment. Um, The third one, I actually kind of had this for a little bit, but I've gotten over it over time. Like it kind of came on and it lasted and then it went away is the blood injection injury um, classification. Huh? Blood injection injury. So you're going to have to explain that one to me. It's basically, it's three, those three things. You don't like getting shot. I, I don't like getting shots, but I'm not afraid of it like I used to be. I used to be really afraid of, of needles. And I will talk about that. Not even one of how we... afraid of them. It was just I was repulsed by the... I, and I still am to some extent. The rep, I'm, I have a repulsion when I see a needle go into somebody's skin. It repulses me. Okay, so that's a phobia. and But I'm not afraid of it, though. It's but you're just, repulsed. And I that am can, repulsed. That can, be, that can mm. be a phobia by just being repulsed at something. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. So blood. Um, some people, this is like the only, interestingly, the only phobia um, th- that I came across that blood, uh, if you have a phobia of blood, like that's the only one that will make you faint. Generally speaking, a lot of people faint at the sight of blood, weirdly. Um, injection, fear of injection. You know what? I think I would disagree with that. I think some people can get into such a panic attack and anxiety but that, yeah, but I think that is more of like a breathing thing. Like you, you faint, a, you faint. A lack of oxygen if you're hyperventilating versus like they say that people who see blood, like without even hyperventilating, some people just go, whoa. And okay, so gone. in the army, we get lots of shots all the time. We're always getting shots, vaccinations for everything from plague to whatever, botulism and everything else. Yeah. And more than one time in the line getting your shots, I have seen or maybe s- it's just some of the toughest whole... soldiers you think are the toughest guys in the world get their shot and they go down. That maybe it's this, this classification, this whole group of blood injection and injury is the third part of that. So you, um, you have a phobia about blood. You have a phobia of injections, which is what you say I have a phobia of, even though I'm just repulsed by it. I'm not really afraid of shots. I don't like pain, but... You don't I, have to be afraid. That's one of these misnomers. You don't okay. have to be afraid. 
It's just the repulsion yeah. can also be. See, it's an educational show. <laughs> and it's not even like the, it's, it's the idea of like the visualization of a needle going into somebody's skin is repulsive to me. And knives don't bother me, just that fine needle point. Um, and then the third part of that one is injury. So, um, you know, you are deathly afraid of getting hurt. Okay. Uh, the yeah. other, hold on, the other uh, classification, situational phobias. And, um, which are, uh, that's kind of tied to the social phobias, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And then just a generic other classification, which I think then would be, that might be the clown thing, like just different, that don't fit into any of the other four. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's not pick on Kim night. Oh, but, no. No. But you know, one phobia I think you have. What's that? It's called nomophobia. This is the phobia of being without your cell phone. It could uh, be either. Yeah. It could either. You don't have your cell phone with you, or you you're afraid that you're going to go out of a service area, or your battery is going to die, or you're going to misplace your telephone. You know what? It's believed that fifty percent, fifty percent half of cell phone users are affected by nomophobia. Uh, so that okay, that actually makes me feel better because I'm not a weirdo. I am. It's almost that I'm afraid. Of you're going to miss something. That's exactly what it is. And you know, I think it got worse when you. Um, so a few years ago, Steve had blood clots, and I got a phone call at work that he had been hospitalized. And ever, I feel like it got worse after that because I don't. There are so. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just also as I get older, like I'm more afraid of of things happening to people that I care about. But if somebody is in an accident or something happens to somebody, I want to be able to know like right away. Uh, and so that's a big a big reason why I don't like to I don't like for people to not get a be able to get a hold of me if something is happening. That's where my nomophobia comes in. Yeah, there's also one where you just can't put your cell phone down if I'm bored. Okay. Anyway, so um, more specifically, so those were the specific phobias. Social phobias, which you also think that I have. Steve thinks I have phobias of everything. Um, Social phobias are often tied to a fear of judgment. Um, It may involve a fear of being watched. On a scale of 1 to 10, where do you stand on that one? What my social phobias? Yeah, I don't. I see. I don't consider it a phobia level. Like I don't think I'm phobic levels. I <laughs> I just think that I I do have a strong fear of judgment. Strong fear of judgment. I don't like people judging me. That's a phobia. Um, and I there there are a lot of reasons, and I know what they are, and I don't want to go into them. But uh, let's just chalk it up to PTSD and childhood trauma. Um. But social phobias can also be linked to performance anxiety. So you may be fine in like a group of people or whatever, but if you have to, if you're an athlete and you have a big game coming up, or if you have to give a a presentation in front of a group of people, that might trigger a social phobia for you. Whereas you might be fine um, in like a group, just a regular group, but if you have to one-on-one and, and I've kind of mentioned this before um, I did theater when I was in high school and I would much rather get up in front of a group of people and talk than engage with someone one-on-one. That's why podcasting is super easy for me because you only have to look at me. I only have to look at you. 
and I'm engaging with you, but if I were to meet one of our listeners in person, if I ever meet you in person and we don't really know each other, I will probably be extremely awkward because I just don't, I don't do well with one-on-one conversations. No doubt. So. But see, that is where from the other perspective, and we're bringing this up, and again, it's not pick on Kim night, but to kind of highlight how this is, Kim thinks that's how it is, but in all reality, it isn't. She is just fine in those situations, but in her in mind... My, my brain is she, freaking out. She's worried about it, and in reality, it's just not happening. And it's fine. We can make it pick on Kim Knight. Um, so, the other because my brain is... I do have a little... I have been diagnosed with anxiety and just, just different things, so it's fine. Um, but, like, the other day, the other day, a friend of ours uh, was talking to us, and she said something about when I enter a room, because I'm tall, I'm very striking, and... Uh, I don't think about that. Like when I enter a room, I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, I hope I don't trip. All these people are going to see me if I trip and fall and everybody's going to laugh at me and everybody's going to this and everybody's going to that. So in the hey, mind you know of somebody what? that has social phobia, There's it, this thing your that brain you could, doesn't work like other people's. This, this, this show is turning into that where like, um, where, where people call in, talk, what, what is it? Talk. Like you talk to your therapist on the telephone for like fifteen dollars <laughs> yeah, a minute or something is, like that. This is this show's my therapy. <laughs> this show is your therapy tonight. Okay. Um, okay, and so then agoraphobia, uh, which I do not have. Agoraphobia, uh, actually, a social phobia could turn into agoraphobia um, if it is not kind of taken care of and nipped in the bud and worked on. Agoraphobia causes people to avoid situations that might cause them to feel trapped, helpless, or embarrassed. Uh, it's kind of tied to the fear that there is no way to escape or get help if the anxiety intensifies. So um, I say, <laughs> gosh, here we go again. I say I don't have agoraphobia, but at the same time, I am terrified of being in big crowds because I don't, I don't feel if there's not a way, an easy way out, I don't like it. And we will probably never, ever be able to get life insurance on Kim after tonight's show <laughs> or health insurance. So... Um, and that's one of the things, like if you, uh, you just, don't, if you're agoraphobic, you're just afraid that you're, if there's a situation, you're not going to be able to easily escape. You well, need to have a way out. different levels of all this oh, stuff. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Like we don't go into a panic attack. We don't, yeah, we no, don't pass out. I, yeah, no, I mean, I leave my house all the time and I'm in crowds fairly frequently, but you know, uh, some agoraphobics are are at that stage where they've gone past being afraid of of fear of judgment and fear of people laughing at them or whatever, and it's gotten so built up in their mind that they don't even want to leave their house. Frank's friend. Yeah, if you watch Shameless, um, the TV show in season, I think it was like three, maybe two, three. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters had agoraphobia, and actually, well, I won't, I won't give it away. Yeah, anyway, no spoilers. Uh, yeah, tonight. sorry. Okay. So one of the characters has agoraphobia okay. and, and shameless. Um, so one of the things with agoraphobia, though, they say that going out with a friend might help. Um, so if you have some degree of agoraphobia, often taking somebody with you that can kind of, um, and I can understand that, like because then you have another set of eyes that can like figure out a way to get out. So for some people, having a having a companion with them in those situations might help. Okay, so those are some serious. Yeah, type those are very okay. serious. But okay, so but here we have one. It's called linenophobia. It's 
the fear of string. Huh. And as I was researching, there are people who have a fear of walking by a fern plant. There, I mean, if you can imagine it and you have a fear of it, it's been categorized and it's, it's been diagnosed as a phobia. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone has some sort of phobia, whether you want to admit it or not. And it, it doesn't have to go to the level that you're in tears and a panic or anything like that. It's just you have some sort of fear or well, and an unnatural, too. as we say, an irrational reaction. That's interesting, too, because I always think of the term phobia as, well, clinically, it has to persist for more than six months. So you have to be afraid of this thing, like a rapid onset of fear for more than six months. Like it's a rapid onset of fear. It has to last a long time. I always think of phobias as kind of extreme. Do you know what I mean? Like it's oh, not like just th- like this one, a blutophobia. You know what that is? No. no. It's the pers- it's the persistent fear of cleaning, washing, or bathing. It occurs more in children and women than in men. Thank goodness this one is not a very common phobia. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if that guy, the guy on the airplane, we were on. A- I think he just been hiking. We were on an airplane one time, and there was a guy that smelled. We were um, overseas, and there was a guy that got on the plane, and he smelled so strongly that literally our eyes were watering. Uh, it, it, it was searing. It was so bad, it was searing. And what made matters worse was we were stuck on this airplane for well over an hour, and it was hot. We, we never were yeah. able to leave the gate. And what happened was the stewardess came out, and she counted the people. Now, we were in Europe at this point. Okay, t- and- time out. If you have a fear of flying, maybe don't listen to this story because it's not going to help. All right, go ahead. Okay. So they came out. They counted the passengers, and it didn't match the manifest. <laughs> so she came out again, and she counted again. We waited and waited, and next thing you know, then stinky the, man the, the, whole time. the co-pilot came out, and he counted, and he counted, and then the pilot came out, and he counted, and then the next thing you know, the police came on the airplane. They counted, and we all had to get off the airplane, which I was really glad because I was sitting next to this guy, it and I'm, I'm not talking, bad. I'm not talking just bo. It was rancid. That he it smelled was, like he was rotting. It it, it was searing my eyes. Yeah, it was, it I've was so never bad. smelled anything like that before. Yeah, I'm surprised I don't have a phobia about that now. Yeah, well. Anyway. If you did, thankfully, there's not that many people that have that phobia of bathing. Oh, an extremely rare phobia is called allodoxophobia. You know what that one is? Is it fear of aloe? It's the fear of opinions. Oh. Yeah. It, that, this fear is, is believed to be associated with the previous encounter where... The person has been affected where you tried to express your opinion and it was rejected. I wonder if that's like a form of a social phobia. It probably is. I mean, it falls into one of these categories like that. Yeah. Um, And there are, uh, there are a lot of causes of phobias. So like that particular, what's it called? Allo what? Allo something something phobia? That one is, um, yeah. Allodoxophobia. Allodoxophobia? Yeah. So that one, the fear of other people's opinions could be caused by the social rejection. Well, that, and that's what, my, what I found says it's mostly visible in social situations where the affected person refuses to involve themselves in discussions 
because they're afraid of the confrontation or being told. Yeah, like, so it's not. Like, it's opi- more of your a- opinions, dumb. Yeah. Um. So some of these phobias can be treated by just being nice to each other, but some of the other phobia causes. So they they kind of um, scientists and and um, psychologists have ro- broken it down. That's the nice thing about about this study and a scientific thing like phobias is they break it down into nice little manageable chunks. There's three classifications, and then there's five classifications, and now there's three classifications again. Um, there are three main causes of phobias. One is classical conditioning, vicarious acquisition, and informational or instructional acquisition. So classical conditioning is like Pavlov. You know, Pavlov's dog... You've heard of that, right? Do you know that's the do you know the I know the do you, story, do you but go ahead. Tell it? No, you go ahead. Okay, so um You're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> so basically Pavlov has the the scientist Pavlov has a dog. He trains it that when you ring a bell, you get food. And so <laughs> the dog learns to associate the ringing of a bell with food. Although, <laughs> although our dogs can tell time, <laughs> they really can. They can at the same. <laughs> that's true. They have at been the messed up time, since last week, though. It's true. At the same time, every day, like they know between four thirty and five is when dinner time is, and if it's like four twenty-five and I haven't gotten up to start getting the bowls ready and stuff, there Rupert is all about it. Or when they want their T R E A T, which yeah, our dogs can spell too. They can spell. They know when it's time for their treat. They want their greenie. Yeah. So classical conditioning, um, they've done studies where you ring a bell, a shock is delivered. The subject learns to equate the bell with the shock reception. But interestingly, and this kind of ties back to the agoraphobia too, interestingly, eventually the subject will also begin to equate um, the shock with the room that they're in. So they will not only begin to fear the bell because they know that the bell means the shock, but they will also begin to fear the specific place that they like the physical space that they're in when they get the shock. So if you are exposed to the same trigger again and again and again, you will start to fear the space that you're in. I wonder how this relates to deja vu. I don't know. I'm sure it does in some kind of way. Um, vicarious fear acquisition um, you see this a lot in parent-child relationships. You learn to fear something by watching other people's fear. So if, if you <laughs> if you have... Like, like a, me and my brother. Like I watched what made my mom and dad mad with my brother, and I'm <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. Kind of, yeah. So like if you're a kid and you see that your uh, mom is afraid of, I don't know, whatever, then... Seagulls. Yeah, like if if... Um, if one of the little ones saw that knew that I was afraid of seagulls, she might become afraid of seagulls too, because she, she has had never had any negative experience with seagulls, but she sees that I, there must be a reason because I'm afraid of them. Um, that's vicarious fear acquisition. And then the other, uh, one is informational or instructional fear acquisition, which is learning to fear something by getting information. So like think bees, we, we know that um, you you know that if you mess with a bee, you're going to get stung, and that hurts. You don't need to get stung to know that bees will sting you and that it hurts. You just have somebody's told you that at some point. So well, this is a really uh, a, a psychological type show here. It really is. Yeah, I so mean, we're, you, now we're talking about learned behavior and yeah. So that's where phobia. That's where a phobia comes from. Um, those three kind of different things. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Where would you categorize this one? 
It's called optophobia. And this is a, I don't know how people could get through life with this one. So optophobia is a fear of opening your eyes. How can you go through life if you're afraid to open your eyes? Um, I don't know. I would imagine that you maybe would just have a blindfold on. It's no different than being blind. Yeah, but no, it's it's completely different. This blind. I mean, as far as navigating, yeah. but as far as navigating the world, I would think that if you, ch- even if you, even if it was a self-imposed blindness, your other senses, I would think, would still overdevelop to to compensate. I'm, I'm talking about just the phobia of being afraid to open your eye. You can. A blind person no, I can't open their no, eyes I, and I'm see. This person could open their eyes and see if they chose to. I know, but but they choose not to. So if they choose to wear a blindfold, keep their eyes closed, whatever, then if you go through life without being able to see, essentially you are making yourself blind. Okay, here's one you don't have. Oh, good. Somnophobia. Oh, I a, definitely don't have that one. A fear of sleep. I absolutely don't have that okay, one. Now this is really dangerous because if you don't get enough sleep, you know, as we discussed last week, you know, just all sorts yeah. of you know, operating heavy machinery, driving, just your general attitude throughout the day. So if you can go through life and you're not getting any sleep. I bet this is a fairly common phobia too because you hear about people that have like night terrors or sleep mm-hmm. paralysis fear of nightmares um, that's one of the reasons why people have this fear of sleep. yeah you're afraid of what's going to happen to you when you go to sleep especially if you have a, a history of like sleep paralysis or something like yeah i mean this can be this or sleepwalking mood, mood swings panic attacks excessive fatigue so i mean think about it. if you're driving machinery child care yeah you couldn't do any of those things yeah yeah, that that is a very that one is really serious, and I bet that's tied probably the fear of going to sleep is probably tied to another medical condition like, um, you know, Insomnia. sleep terrors or mm-hmm. or sleepwalking. Um, so it's probably a multiple like a multiple condition kind of a thing. Yeah. Hey, some of the most common phobias. Spiders, heights, snakes. And we, we've discussed this. Babies have only a few natural there are fears. Four. I'm, I'm not going to call them fears right now or phobias, but babies have a natural fear of falling, loud sounds, spiders, and snakes. I don't like spiders and snakes. Yeah. It's uh, a song. That's a song by Jim Stafford. Look at you, smarty pants. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> So in 2017. But wait, let me let me oh. ask you. Do you know why? Can you tell me why those are inherent fears in babies? Well, yeah. It, it, we we think it goes back to I don't, the evolution of how man has progressed like at some point. Oh, like was, we we knew we we like knew that loud sounds and spiders and snakes are dangerous and so like it just kind of stayed with us in our brains over evolutionary yeah or millennia. or people were taught yeah yeah okay so in 2017 you so you're asking well, how do people know this and this is how in 2017 a study was done by the max planck institute for human cognitive and brain sciences and how they did this they measured babies pupil dilations so they showed babies pictures of flowers and fish 
And then they showed them pictures, and they compared their pupil dilation when they showed them pictures of spiders and snakes. There was an average four times greater reaction when the baby saw a snake versus a flower. Um, it was especially prevalent with spiders and snakes versus other pictures that they showed the baby. But th- this is how they measured that. Yeah. So arachnophobia, that, that is where you're if afraid you're of spiders. spiders. And that is like the number one phobia. I within, wonder, is that still true? I don't know. I mean, you can see how this stuff kind of all ties back yeah, and how and, it's related. And I wonder, too, and we're going to get into I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not either. I like spiders. I'm not afraid of heights or snakes either. I'm not especially... I get a little dizzy, like, weird out when I get up high, but I, it's not like a... It's Wait, more vertigo than... Which, which makes me wonder, do babies outgrow these fears? I mean, they must. I mean, with experience... Af- they, I, they must, because I'm not afraid of spiders and snakes. I like... I, I do like spiders and snakes. Um... But I was going to ask something else, and I just slipped my mind. Hmm. Anyway, keep going. Oh, I know where I was going with that. Uh, The media. And, um, like, the... So, arachnophobia has always, or is traditionally, like, our number one fear. But I come back to clowns again um, with the, you know, like, It and all of the scary clown movies. That's why they make them. Well, and but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I wonder if they're the, playing on our fears. I wonder if exposing, like, making movies and TV shows and stuff about it is making more people afraid of it that weren't before. Like, planting that suggestion. And I will get seed. into this in a minute. That could be part of the treatment therapy. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. So, we we talk about this, and you know, I, you know, I just ask: Do babies outgrow these fears? But then that would just lead into phobias. How how do we treat phobias? Yeah. Because like some of them, like I mean, like my fear of seagulls is is not crippling in my everyday life because I live in Ohio. Yeah, and if I, I get startled start. by the mouse, like I said, it's like riding the roller coaster, or you know, yeah, you know, where you get startled or like it jumps out at you in yeah. the movie or something like right. that. So it's it's not debilitating or anything like that. So specific. Phobia, cognitive behavioral therapy can help. Oh. And so, like, that would be relating, like, you know, maybe they will, they will use those movies and show them in a controlled environment, yep. controlled situation to, to work on it so they're not a, afraid of that situation. Hmm. It's a, um, a procedure. It's called, that's called either decentralization oh, therapy or exposure therapy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so this, when they do this, it generally involves gradually increasing your exposure exposure to the things that you fear at your pace under controlled circumstances. Right. So you don't watch all of it. You, you watch like the first 30 seconds. And then yeah. once you can get past that, you can watch the first 45. Yeah. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to... So maybe they watch that scene over and over. Yeah, right. Like, hey, you know what? Nothing happened to me. Yeah. So Whatever. But as you're exposed to the object, you're taught to master the fear. You master your fear. You learn how to relax, your breathing control, and your the other things that we typically associate with anxiety, panic attacks or something like mm-hmm. that. You learn how to cope, and you have to deal with that. Now, these are going to have to be some pretty serious issues to, you know, that I would even, I would never, ever consider going to the doctor because I stuck my hand in a, bag of dog trees yeah no i mean i would like yeah 
Like I just use avoidant. I mean, I don't go, I don't go to places where there's seagulls. Yeah. So I have something that like I can control it. But if you're an agoraphobic and you're afraid of leaving the house, like that, yeah. you would or, need to seek out help or probably. If, if you're afraid of flying, you know, this could be for a certain period. Your doctor may pres- uh, prescribe some sort of anxiety medicine. You know, I'm afraid to get on that airplane. I'm not going to fly. And so I'm going to, um, you know, you go to the doctor so you, because you have to go someplace. They give you some Xanax or something like that. Yeah. And you're able to fly. You're able to get on the airplane and, and function. Right. Is what we would consider normal people would be able to function. Right. Hmm. Social anxiety disorder. Yeah. So if your social phobia centers on one particular performance, say um, giving a lecture or playing in a concert, Again, here a doctor may prescribe a medication such as a beta blocker, and I'm not going to pretend I know what a beta blocker is, <laughs> but uh, like one particular medicine that they um, prescribe for this is called propanolol. Yeah, and so they can they can prescribe that to help you for a temporary situation. Like if you have to give a public speech, yeah, you, you, and there's no way out of it, you can take a medicine to help calm your nerves and get you through this. Yeah. And it's just taken, basically you take this just prior, you know, do you have to go on stage or you have to perform? Basically to do what this? The, my understanding is, is it blocks your adrenaline, like the, the nerves and chemicals that secrete the adrenaline. It keeps them from doing that. Yeah. Basically it, it dampens the physical effects yeah. of the anxiety. Your, your, you know, the pounding heart, you know, the, the yep. how your tummy feels or like that, or the, you know, your fingers will start shaking or something like that. Yeah. Um, this medicine usually doesn't affect your mental sharpness, so it's really good for speaking. It just calms you down. Yeah. Like that. Okay. So more generalized or long-term for forms of social phobia, your doctor may prescribe antidepressants. So like if, um, I don't know, I, I just have to make this up. Like if you're afraid of the sidewalk, which there probably is a phobia out there for I'm a sidewalk. Sure. You have to get to work. You have to be able to do this. Or maybe driving. Or you you might be afraid of crossing a bridge, and you have to cross three bridges to get to work. Your doctor can prescribe medication to get you there. Now, this medicine is it's it's usually an antidepressant. And it's they call it a selective serotonin rupitaki inhibitor. Or I'm just going to call it an SSRI. Yep. Yep. So... But if the SSRI is not effective, the doctor may dis- may prescribe an alternative antidepressant or anxiety medication. So there are medical, the whole point of this, there are medical ways to, if, if your phobia, your fear of something is so great, the... PSA for medicine, don't ever mess with your medicine without doing, uh, without consulting a doctor first. So if you are phobic or if you... Um, are put on an SSRI or, you know, whatever, beta blockers, um, don't get off of them or adjust your own medication without a doctor's help. Yeah. Because they'll just put you in a bad way. Yeah, don't do not do that. All this, obviously, is under doctor's a doctor's care, care yep. doctor's prescription. I mean, they, they can get into prescribing Celexa, Paxil, Prozac, Zoloft, these type of things for phobia. But, you know, what they're finding, what when I say what they're finding is that medication for phobias is generally ineffective. Interesting. For like long term. 
Hmm. I, I read it. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> that surprises me because, um, I mean, without going, that's a whole other hour of your life that the way, phob- like the parts of your brain that process the information, um, it's interesting that it's not working because a lot of the, um, the parts of your brain that process sensations and are what the same parts of your brain that deal with depression and anxiety. And so you would think that if those medications are, are, are designed to hit those parts that it well, would. Those, those medicines that. are good for what they're designed to do for, um, anxiety, depression, and they right. work very well for that under a doctor's care. But when we're talking about those specific SSRIs, such as Selexapaxel, Prozac, yeah. things like that, they are not that effective for so I guess phobia. that makes sense because yeah. that's dealing with your serotonin levels yeah. and, and your happiness levels. So interesting. But the doctors have other medications that they can prescribe to yeah. help you for those specific type events or whatever it is. Hmm. Okay, but the most effective treatment for phobia is not in medication. It's it's in cognitive. Now, okay, well, you got all the hard words this week. No, it, it wasn't a pronunciation of the word. I can say cognitive. It's it's not in the most specific. The best treatment for most phobias is in cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy, or CBT. Okay. I'm going to call it CBT from now on. <laughs> so CBT has a really high success rate in treating phobias. Upwards, 90% of the people who receive CBT treatment uh, will go into full remission after only about 10 sessions of treatment. So if you do have that fear of, like, say, whatever, crossing the bridge, and you have to, you have to cross the bridge, you can go, you can get therapy without medication, that and actually, after about 10 sessions... Yeah, that actually really makes sense because if a lot of phobias come from that classical conditioning, a lot of phobias are learned behaviors. So basically, you're unlearning what you have learned or learning... That's what um, behavioral therapy is, is it's teaching you you're learning another way of doing things. So, now, let me let me caveat, and this is why I kind of paused at the beginning. The This fact came from the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy of uh, Los Angeles. So it's a clinic that treats. Okay. So it's a clinic that treats. So you were talking about agoraphobia. The treatment for this disorder is similar to the treatment for a panic disorder. Drug treatments might include the SSR, SSRI antidepressants and a, very, and a variety of other antidepressants. So now we're going back into those social disorders mm-hmm. where... There, there's something going on in the brain, maybe. It's trauma. Trauma, it could be chemical. Sort of trauma, probably, most likely. I would say that with a lot of the social phobias, it is caused by some sort of trauma, by somebody teasing you when you were a kid or by, like, somebody some, somewhere said something to you that that really struck a nerve and caused a traumatic event for you. So, like we said, this show was not necessarily about all the the different phobias that are out there because we think everybody has some sort of phobia or something. Something that weirds them out. Something that, yeah, just even it's something that weirds you out. That could probably be classified as a phobia. So basically my conclusion is people have a fear. You can have a fear of just about anything. I mean, you're sitting there drinking 
that ice mountain right there on the table. There's some people that probably would have a fear, fear of, of cans, a, a fear of cans, fear of pop tops, or we're, we're in the basement. Someone has a fear of being in the basement. Oh yeah. So I mean, some of the things are are fun, like me getting startled by a mouse. Okay, that's fun. I don't like it in the moment, but I can laugh about it right now. I remember very well sitting up on that table and everyone laughing at me. And maybe, you know what? I think I need to make a confession. I really wasn't afraid that night. Uh, I was doing I was just doing that because I knew you guys would get a rise out of it and get get a good laugh. Mm-hmm. I really was I really wasn't afraid. I bet you liar. Um <laughs> but it, well, and even with like I I would say that my seagull thing is like it is genuinely a terror. I'm I'm super afraid of them. But there are times so um there was a time our goddaughter Chelsea who I love dearly. Um she, she's an African American girl and I say that because it's relevant. We were at the beach one time and uh Chelsea knows very well about my seagull thing. We were at the beach we'd stopped for uh some chicken to take with us to the beach. And so Steve was playing out in the water with the kids and Chelsea and I were sitting there eating chicken and she, she raised the chicken to her mouth. She was taking a bite of it. This seagull swoops down from nowhere, literally snatches the chicken from her hands out of her mouth and flies away. And God love her. She saved the day because she she jumped up and she shook her fist at the seagull and goes, you don't come between a black girl and her chicken. And Chelsea, I, if you're listening, thank you so much. She saved me because I really honestly think that I would have gone into a full-blown panic attack because having it that close and all of the things that, like the things that I'm afraid of with seagulls, I'm afraid of their size. They're big. They have very sharp beaks. Okay, so they you have live- sharp talons. And so all of the things that like, uh, when I envision that, I, the seagull in my mind, when I think back to it, the seagull is like Chelsea sized. And I know that's not accurate, but the seagull is like Chelsea sized and it has a huge, Beak it's and like Mothman. You just really like it. Really is in my mind, but and then, but then I am immediately like picture Chelsea shaking her fist and yelling at it afterwards, and that kind of even now makes me laugh and makes me smile. But if she hadn't reacted in that way, I don't know what I would have done because it uh, like all of the things that I am afraid of with seagulls came to fruition in that one moment in time. Well, you know. You lived in California when you were a little girl. I, I wonder if I you did. had a bad experience with a seagull that or something. That could be, because I was little, little. I was in first grade, so I was Maybe like one six. swooped down and picked you up I and dropped you in the ocean or something. I, I don't think that happened, but it, I mean, it could be. I don't know. I'll have yeah. to ask my mom. All right. So, like we were saying, this show was not about listing all the different phobias. If you really want to see some weird things out there, just go to the internet there's plenty of them. <laughs> just just go to the internet and look at it. But just keep in mind that while we are making light of some of these things, and we've tried to keep it to our own personal phobias and fears or yeah. startles or whatever it is, <laughs> there for some people out there, this can be very traumatic and it can be very disabling to where they cannot function in life. And so we're not trying to make fun of it at all like that. And also, you don't know... What people are going like, especially with the social anxiety things, like you don't, you don't know. Some people hide it really, really well. So just be nice to people. 
please, above all, be nice to everybody because that you never know when you could be saying the wrong thing to the wrong person and cause somebody to develop a social anxiety problem. Sometimes it takes everything I got to be nice to some people, though. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. I practice that daily. There's your lesson for the day. <laughs> okay. So, again, phobias can be a serious mental health issue for some people. If you have a phobia that, you know, you've been living with and it's really affecting your life. Get help. Get help. You can't you no can't go to the it. doctor. You can get therapy. If it's that serious, the doctor can put you on medication. If the doctor thinks it's necessary, don't go self-medicating. Yeah, that's not good either. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't and don't be ashamed of it. There's like we said, everybody's afraid of something. So if you have one of those debilitating fears, don't be embarrassed by it. Just you don't have to do it. You don't have to live with it. All right, Kim. All right. Anything so if about? You, no. Well, if you have any phobias that you would like to tell us about, write to us at a lost hour at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on the Instagram. Um, next week, I'm I'm really excited about our show for next week. Uh, it was going to be this week's show, but we kind of ran out of research time. So we're going to have a really good show for you next week. Yeah. Hey, and just not that uh, we didn't have a good show for you this week, but we're gonna have it, a really good next week. And and just as um, just as an update right now, like I said, I like to one of my little hobbies right now is just to track, see how well the show is doing because uh, we're, the millions are rolling in right now from yeah, all oh, our sponsors man, and everybody. Uh, so yeah, yeah we yeah, bought so, land. So, and... so, yeah, so keep keep that keep the money rolling in <laughs> if you're sponsoring us. We appreciate it. Do we have any new countries this week? No, because at the beginning of the month, it resets. Resets. So, yeah. So, we do have um, someone in Spain keeps listening to us across the states. But what what is interesting for us is our weekly average continues to grow. Thank you. That means you're telling people about our show. That means you guys really, really like us. Yeah. So Uh, And so, thanks for favoriting us and sharing. If you really want to help us, if you really want to make me feel good, uh, share Tell your friends the best things you can do if you really want to help us is subscribe, follow, subscribe, follow the show. Right now, we can be found on all the different, um, all the different platforms, all the things: Stitcher, iTunes, um, Google, Google. Uh, you can tell Alexa to play an hour of your life, and she will. You can tell Siri to play an hour of your well, life, Siri, and she will. Yep. Yeah. So it's out there, Podbean. but um, yep. it, it makes home. it makes me feel good. This is my new hobby. And like the reason we're doing this, it, the research is fun. I'm learning stuff every day. Absolutely. Like today, I learned, or this week, I learned that I do not have a fear of mice. Yay! So I feel uh, better about myself right now. Also, quick shout out. It, it Right now, as we are recording, it is November 10th. Um, tomorrow's Veterans Day. So thank you to all of our servicemen and women who have given their time and talents to protect our freedom. Different than Memorial Day. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're remembering those veterans who are still with us. Uh, go get your free stuff, your free meals, all your good stuff. Eh. You've earned it. No, I know, I know. You don't like to no. do that because, but you've earned it. People want to. People want to say thank you to you guys, and so go take advantage. You have the day off. You're tired. Go go get your free stuff. I, our, I don't know anyone who served to say. Boy, I can't wait to go out to this restaurant to get my free meal. I know that's I'm gonna not. Give, I'm going to get four years of my life <laughs> just so I can go get a free meal. I know that's not why you do it, but that is the layperson's way of saying thank you for your service. So you may as well. It's out there. Go get it. Go take advantage of it. Okay. 
You can have your opinion on that one. I'll have that's, mine. That's our way of saying thank you. So. So. Anything else, Kim? I, that's it. Okay. So from the beautiful studios in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us.